Google. In the oh, basement. We're starting now. Say hello. Hi there. Good good job. So welcome everybody to Beers in the Basement Season 2. I have a guest with me here today, as you've already heard, and we have Dave Marcola. And we didn't actually get through what I am or am not allowed to talk about. Stop. This is going to be... Why don't you introduce yourself, Dave? Oh, hi. I'm Dave Marcola. Right. And you're my friend. And you've been busting my balls now thoroughly for the past 10, 15 minutes since we've been sitting down here. It's more like five minutes. But I'm sweating, right? Yeah. Some people don't know that they have a sweaty forehead, and I'm just trying to help. Well, I appreciate that. Mm, appreciate you. I, <laughs> I need to dab my brow with something. So you just asked me before I started recording what the premise of the show is, what we talk about, how this works, right? So generally, the idea is um, tagline of beers in the basement is wherever the beer takes us. So what I like mm-hmm. to do is I like to review a beer for a couple minutes, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of bullshit. And I do have a couple questions ready for you, because uh, in season two in particular, what I've been focusing on is having uh, either entrepreneurs, um, working professionals, Somebody that has some insight to a certain industry or a certain something that they can they can lend their expertise to and talk about for a little bit. Somebody that I find is interesting. And the the point is also that you you talk when there's a pause when the, when you hear a pause and you don't overthink it because your eyes are going crazy. You're looking up at the ceiling. You're looking around. I, I'm looking for the teleprompter. Oh fuck! Well, we have Nacho Libre. <clears throat> which I've never seen. Right. I promised you the choice of either 300, which is the Gladiator movie. Sounded great. Right. Or, or Nacho Libre, which is Jack Black. And you opted for the Gladiator movie. I did. And uh, you have to pay for that. And, and I, I'm cheap. Mm. So I said, no, no. Nacho Libre is free, dude. Do you, do you not have sponsors? No, not yet. Working on it. Mm. Shout Mate. out for sponsors, Mate. anyone out there? <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're born market man, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of your forte. Yes. Awesome. And I'm going to get into that because that's one of my questions, I think. Mm. Um, so, eh. Careful. You've never, you've never listened to an episode. I'm going to no. take my shirt off here because it's hot. I'm sweating already. Mm. I'm a sweaty dude. I've yeah. fucking talked about it on the sh- sh- before. And it's a like, little weird that you're topless, but all right. Oh, fuck. Just, I have pepperoni nipples. Don't laugh at me. And like my father said, you curse an awful lot. Did he really say that? Didn't I tell you that? No. Yeah. After you were over the other day, he said, you can tell Pete works in a blue collar environment. Oh, because I said, what do you mean? And he said, because he curses a lot. I used to be a roofer and that's all you hear. Huh. Yeah. I never noticed it before, but once he said it, now I pick up on it. I think I do it when I'm, when I'm super relaxed. If I'm around people that I'm very comfortable with, generally at my work, for example, I don't, it's a blue collar job, but it's also an office job. I don't, I maintain and keep the F-bombs and all that under control. But boy, when I, when I have my, my freedom, I let it rip. Yeah. And well, and you got to keep in mind the source. I mean, I think my dad curses a lot and doesn't know he does it. So right, it makes you feel comfortable doing so. And therefore- that's a good point yeah. also. Mm-hmm. I typically do it around people that I feel comfortable doing it. And mm-hmm. I just kind of let it let it go. Which is a key piece of sales. Talking about marketing and sales is you have to kind of be a chameleon and you have to think about who's that person in front of you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some. That's pretty deep. Yeah, just 
Just run with that. You have a lot of nuggets like that. Loads of nuggets. Loads of nuggets. Um, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But today, I have a beer and I have a cooler. So generally what we do is we... I stop at the liquor store. Sometimes our guests will bring me a beer. But in your case, you brought food. Now, coming from Pennsylvania, a liquor store would not have beer. So every time you say that, I have to think for a minute. Mm, you have package stores in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, you have beer distributors and beer you distributors. have liquor stores. Right, and the liquor stores literally just have the liquor. Your and gins, wine. your vodkas, yep. your wines, things mm-hmm. like that. And then the beer, the, the package stores have just beer. Yep. And your Monster Energy drinks and your Coca-Colas, and sometimes they have uh, snacks and things like that. And that's changing a bit. You know, there are some places now where you can get everything in one spot, but growing up and for years and years, that was strictly, you know, New Jersey was cool that you could get everything in one place, but you couldn't in PA. Right. And there's also, I think, um, their rules as far as when they can be open are a little more strict as well. Yeah. well, yeah, because everything specifically is controlled by, you know, like the liquor stores are all PA state stores, as they call them. They're mm-hmm. not like somebody owns a liquor store. They're they're owned and operated by the government. Right. So a little bit more regulated. They call the shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a good point. And I, I used to not struggle with that, but I had, you, you almost had to time it. And you would say, okay, if you're having a party or a get-together and you have to pick up your whatever at the liquor store and then you have to pick up your beer. It's like two stops and it's annoying. And I did notice that they started selling, uh, I think Pennsylvania started selling beer in grocery stores. I could be wrong. And I know that's very prevalent in other states outside of this area, Mm -hmm. but I think PA started to do that recently. Yep. And only certain ones, but yeah, just in the last year or two, but yeah, growing up and, you know, even in college and whatnot, Sundays you couldn't, they were closed. Right. So, yeah, and that was you had to you had to think ahead. So yeah. when you're uh, you're doing the hair of the dog sort of situation on Sunday morning, or afternoon, or having family dinner, you I spent my Sundays with Jesus. Oh, and was it baby Jesus or grown Jesus? Uh, dead Jesus, because uh, we would be at church and he would be hanging from the cross, and then would have a little wine with communion. <laughs> so it was grown Jesus because they don't ever show dead baby jesus because i don't think baby jesus was dead like no i didn't jesus say did- dead baby no no it, it baby was alive then there was grown jesus as you just stated right but i experienced dead jesus which was where he was hanging on the cross as an adult right not as a baby right because yeah. he didn't die as a baby no he starts out in the little manger and the right. nativity scenes at christmas then come easter he's all of a sudden grown and dead and hanging yeah you have to Do- get your decorations right when you're catholic that's actually a good point. Um, so you, for Easter, it's well, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore because it's. Uh, I want to. I want to drink a beer. I'm surprised that you have these beers in a manly cooler <laughs> and not a lady lunch bag. <laughs> Fuck off! And you're saying that why? Because you arrived home today with your lady lunch bag. <laughs> I do have a lady lunch bag. Looks just and like a purse <laughs> my aunt carries. It's true. I have a lady lunch bag and. Uh, there's no shame in my game. I lost my manly one. I had this very manly lunch bag. It was black, and it had tactical Velcro so I could put my ammo clips to the side of it, and it had a little camouflage loop for my shoulder. I don't know what happened to it. And uh, the the next lunch bag in line was, was the one that you saw because I'm not going to go buy another mm-hmm. one. I want to find my manly one still. But my yeah. lunch has to stay cold, Dave. Well, I think That's it, what's no, important. I, I think this is a bigger issue than 
than you're letting on. Because I, I do, I have another friend who, as you know, is in the construction business, uh, and uh, he has a sticky note in his car on the dashboard that says, don't forget your lunchbox. And right. I asked what that was about. <laughs> and it's because apparently he always leaves work without it, and then he gets home and his wife gets mad, and so the sticky right. note reminds him to go back in and get his lunchbox. Oh, okay. So he now, I think, has seven or eight of them. L- lunch lunchboxes. Lunchboxes, yeah. not sticky notes. Or lady lunch bags. Lady but lunch the bags. point is just that, you know, there's clearly an epidemic of, oh, my God, where's my lunch con- container? Maybe yeah. I just lost it one time and I haven't found it yet. Or I'm not really, I'm not really worried as far as my lunch bag. Well, when I go into work... Mm-hmm. I have a little refrigerator right Mm. there near my office. Mm -hmm. So I unload my lady lunch bag into the mini fridge Mm -hmm. and I leave my lady lunch bag on, uh, you know, on this little side work table Mm -hmm. that I have. Mm -hmm. And and then I bring it home. Mm -hmm. It's just a means to a a vessel because I I don't, I want to, I don't want to use a new plastic bag every time. Fuck this conversation here. I have a beer and you, you mentioned before because we just had dinner and we already sampled the beer. We're like cheaters. And I said, just lie about it. Pretend like you didn't have it. But it's not, I, I can't do that. Yeah, and I wouldn't have lied. I would have outed you on it. I, I know. So. That's why I can't lie because I can't freaking get that past you because I knew if I had said, we're going to try this beer now for the first time, you're going to be like, no, fuck you. We Especially just had if you it. say it like that. Right. We're going to try this beer <laughs> now. <laughs> you're going to call me out on every little thing. Okay. So today we have the beer. <laughs> I got a, a message coming through. I know. You're checking your watch. You've checked your phone like three times. This is great. Uh, today we have, why don't you announce this one? Oh, we have the uh, oh. very famous, oh, uh, Peter, oh. you okay? <laughs> <laughs> he hit his head. Uh, this is, I believe, formerly known as Right Hand, now Left Hand Brewing Company's world famous nitro milk stout, not just any milk stout, nitro, which means it's super juiced and just the best creamy flavor and viscosity to a stout. Yeah, I was going to say viscosity, but viscosity. Do you like this one? I do. This was uh, one of my regular go-tos. Nice. I, well, I'm glad I could do that because I know you have a very uh, specific beer that and you I like to go to. And I hope that you'll be sharing with all of our listeners where the name Left Hand comes from. No. Why don't you educate? That's what you're here for. No. To, I, to educate us. I was hoping there'd be something educational about this because that's no, the one thing I don't know either. I don't fucking know. All right. Well, we could probably Google it while you say something. Probably. I'm not. Well, yeah, you can Google it if you'd like. Anyway, this is Left Hand Brewing Company Milk Stout <clears throat> Nitro, and it says America's Stout. I bought a six-pack, and uh, it's from Left Hand, again, their logo being a left-hand print. Dave's looking that up right now. Uh, but it says really in big, bold print, pour hard. And as we just learned in my kitchen a couple minutes ago, apparently I don't have the proper glasses for uh, for this type of beer. And there's a couple of ways you could take that direction. Pour hard. Yeah. And why don't you give me one of the, your... Um, so that would be where you yeah. you have the glass in your left hand and you take the bottle and it's open and then you turn and you pour it real aggressively into the glass. Right. What would the other one be, Pete? The other one would be um, where you aggressively put the two glasses together and, and make like a face or sound. Mm, fail. Fuck. Um, where you puff up your chest a little bit. You know how when people say, you know, you're hard. Fuck. 
Nope, never heard that You're one. You're hard. You're hard. Mm. Oh. Maybe mm. your listeners could write in. Yeah, write in. <coughs> Beers in the Basement podcast. Actually, the the lines are lighting up. They uh, are. Let me go to line four, you jerk off. Hi. God damn it. This I have an idea. Hi, what's your idea? Who's this that we're talking to? My name's Hard. Hard? So what is, what is your take on poor hard? It's when I don't have any money, so I'm poor hard. Oh. I pour hard because I have a boner and I'm pouring my beer. Oh. Oh, come on. We just talked about Jesus. Oh, God and baby Jesus. So I'm going to open this bad boy up, and we did have one in the kitchen, and it's delicious. I like it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, a fan of dark beer um, because what throws me off a little bit is the lack of carbonation, which I'm just sort of... I just like the carbonation with a beer. Mm. Uh, it almost has a coffee sort of <laughs> taste to it. I'm going to open this bad boy right now. I'd like to, while you do that, announce that I have uh, just learned <sighs> this just in. Do you know who the founder of Left Hand Brewing is? Lay it on me. Dick Door. Dick Door. And Dick Door's claim to fame is Left Hand Brewing. Um are we are we laughing at the name? Is I wonder that, if he's left-handed. <laughs> is that a funny name? I think it's kind of a funny name after you said it, but I'm trying to be cool about it. Are you, are you fucking doing that he thing again? He started with a uh, home brewing kit. See? Oh. Probably in his basement. And they're from? Where are they from? Uh, they're from Colorado. Colorado, that's right. Mm-hmm. But I'm still looking uh, to uh, learn a little bit more about the name. I feel like you're probably checking other emails, and we're going to get to your your personal life in a second. And I'm going to pour this bad boy in. It tastes like coffee, Dave. Now, I'm pouring hard. It was originally called Indian Peaks, but they found out that was already taken, so they had to rename uh, Left Hand in honor of Chief Niwat, the oh, Arapaho word for left hand, whose tribe wintered in the local area. Huh. So now you know where the name came from. But it still doesn't make sense. Where's the left hand coming from? Is somebody left-handed? No, no. Pay attention. So Thank Chief you. Niwat is who they were honoring. Right. And Niwat means left hand. So was Chief Niwat left-handed? Or are they just being clever because Niwat means left Well, whatever. I'm sure somewhere down the road someone's been left-handed. Yeah, we may need to have a part two for that part. So anyway... So I like that there isn't much carbonation. Carbonation, right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's been your go-to as far as uh, when we've hung out. You like wine. Um, but what's strange about that is that I don't like the carbonation in beer, but yet I only drink water that's carbonated. That's true. You're a big fan of the sparkling water. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that doesn't, I can't explain that. I can't explain that. Maybe mm. you just don't like the taste of that kind of typical, that, that typical beer taste. Well, and let's remember that at about the age of three, I started drinking beer growing up next door to the Yangling Brewery. So it's kind of in my veins, and, you know, I, dark beer was not something they were known for, obviously. And all through college, we drank the cheapest beer you could get, Natty Ice, Natty Ice whatever. PBR, that yep. kind of stuff. So Dales. it was just enough, you know? Just enough. So now... For at least probably 10 years, I only drink porters or stouts. Right. And um, I think you're a big fan of Maine Beer Company, the Mean Old Tom, which right. I failed the last time I was there. Uh, I didn't bring you any. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you said, where's my, where's my Mean Old Tom? And I, <laughs> I mm-hmm. smacked my head against my 
my hand against my head and said, "Fuck, I mm-hmm. forgot it. Sorry, man." Yeah. Next time, I'll Won't remember again. Time. I remember. Na- I remember now. Yeah. You made sure to, to tell me. So, um, this beer is super dark. Obviously, I I can't even describe it because I, I'm not a um, I, my vocabulary isn't so up to par that I'm this connoisseur of beer that can describe the beer with the utmost uh, expertise. However, if you read the label, I would say it's pretty accurate. I mean, it says something about. Super smooth with soft roastiness and mocha notes. Now, what does roastiness taste like? Coffee. Okay. Is there coffee? Is there caffeine in these? No. Okay. Thank God. I can't have caffeine this time of night. I'd, I'd be screwed if I, I don't know to that sleep. for certain, but it doesn't say that there is. All right. Well, I'm not going to Google it either. You definitely shouldn't be pregnant, Dave. You like this beer, though. I do, and you know it's uh, yeah, like uh, chocolate coffee. All of those kind of dark, delicious, deep flavors to me, that's like a relaxing, comforting, you know. Mm. And for me, it's almost like a dessert beer. You sit on your back back patio. You screen hang porch. out with your screen porch. You hang out with the dogs. Ted and Brian. You had a hard day work. Never happened. You're still working as you're sitting out back there. Always. And you're relaxing with your uh would you make just <laughs> would you just I think that? that's poop <laughs> I think that's poop too oh, oh I've never seen it's, this that's great this welcome is uh welcome to Nacho Libre this movie is just <laughs> completely ridiculous oh. <laughs> um but as uh, as far as work goes it's part of why you're here Dave yes because you work for me <laughs> I do work for you. Kind of. Sort of. We're still trying to figure that out. So, yes. So, I'm in the, uh, you know, a lot of people think it's a glamorous, sexy, you know. I don't think anybody thinks that. Why don't we talk about first what you do? Oh. I'm a real estate entrepreneur. I think that's a great way of putting it because right now you're you're uh, more than I would say a sales agent or something. I, I think entrepreneur is a good way to put it because you have lofty goals. Yes, I do, and uh, you know my goal is to build a business, and a couple things go into that. One is obviously that it's uh, serving the needs of of people, consumers. Um, but you know my tagline is expect better. So that's for a reason. My background, other companies I've worked for, it's always been about improving the customer experience. So in real estate, having bought and sold my own homes, you know, I've, I've always felt it was sadly not a great experience. Right. So I felt like that, that left an opportunity for someone to identify those pain points where it could be a more enjoyable experience and just raise the bar. So that's kind of what I'm all about. Expect better, make for a better um, real estate purchase and sales experience. Now, uh, is it okay to talk about your previous work experience as far as uh, the other companies you've worked for? Mm-hmm. Um, you work for some some relatively high profile companies, right? Yes. Okay. One of which was Comcast. That was your latest. Correct. And that was the market mobile marketing division. Cable Town. Um, I don't know what that is. No, that's just a, a joke from um, what's that show with Alec uh, Baldwin and Tina Fey? Remember no. when they were in New York? No. Come on. I, I don't watch All it. Right. 
Uh, so, yes, my last job, I was Senior Director of National Marketing for Xfinity Mobile, so the cell phone service at Comcast. Um, and in that job, it was launching the product and uh, creating national awareness, and the whole goal was to get more uh, consumers to purchase Comcast for their internet and cable because of the value proposition of really cheap cell phone service. The value prop, man, you you sound like a marketing guy. Yep, and uh, that's paid for those degrees. Yep. Right, that's and that's where your education lies in is marketing. Correct. That's your background. And what about before that? You were uh, you were a young lad out in uh, Pottstown, PA. Go on. Pottsville. Oh, yep. It, that's it's the same thing. So isn't we're it? jumping right from Comcast to when yeah, I w- we're had gonna a paper w- out. Yeah, we're gonna circle back to it. Okay, you got to roll with me, man. So I had I'm a paper out. King ADD in in Pottstown. Yeah. Well, actually, my first you could say business venture was I had a um, you know, kids have a lemonade stand. Right. I was I think in first or second grade, probably second. And uh, I had a non-alcoholic beer stand on my front porch, and I would sell shots of non-alcoholic beer to the kids in the neighborhood for a penny. My dad built the little bar, and I put signs up. So hold on. you're Because you're not that old. And to sell shots of non-alcoholic beer for a penny, I did the lemonade thing, I think, for maybe one or two weekends when I was six with the lead of my older sister. And we we were selling lemonades for twenty five cents a cup, and you're telling me you sold shots of non alcoholic beer for a penny? I mean, how old were you at this point? Well, let's keep in mind that it's Pottsville. Pottsville, right? <laughs> uh, you could buy the house for a house today for the price of a car around here, so right. it might have been that condition. But okay. yeah, you know, I'm forty one, so I would have been probably seven or eight or no maybe nine maybe even at that point you were you were sensical enough that and, you didn't want to overcharge your uh, clientele and i gotta be honest it was more about the fun you're not of, comfortable are you no this, this weird asian cushion i'm why sitting don't you on move it do you, it's like do it's you rocking help, me forward <laughs> do you need help moving <laughs> you've been shifting in your seat for <laughs> now, now the mic is too loud here let me i can let me, let i can me. stand <laughs> no that's awful hold on um i may or may not edit this out let's let's see how this goes so I'm lowering your mic. Is that a little better? Yeah, much better. Okay, there you go. I still have to sit like a grasshopper. You but do, it's all right. but you can put those Asian pillows behind you. No, like it's stack fine. Them by- oh, Jesus Christ! It's it's fine. The stretching action is probably good. <clears throat> so you went from the seven or eight year old non-alcoholic sips for a penny bartender. Bartender. Yeah, it wasn't about the money. That's why I think it probably was cheap. Oh. I just enjoyed that I was, was getting people to come get my product. Right. It, so. Was it to get your product or because you enjoyed interacting with the people? Mm, no, I don't like people. You f- Are you fucking kidding me? No, I think it's more about the product. Okay. Yeah. So, and then uh, from there, I started uh, selling like that crap that like it's like candy and candles and gift wrap and all this nonsense from, I don't know what companies they were, but you'd go door to door. I remember I was so excited because I sold enough to get a little AM FM radio that I could mount on my bike. Right. So uh, that was a big thrill every year when I get the new catalog and I'd go door to door and sell tons of stuff. And so I think, yeah, I always had that sales marketing in my blood. So you've always enjoyed just doing that. And it it wasn't so much as far as the social interaction, but more of 
you're able to sell this product to these people Mm -hmm. and bring what I presume is joy to them with your product, but also reap the rewards of doing that because you could save up for your little radio or whatever it is that was in the catalog that you liked. Yeah. And I I think it's, uh, yeah, each of each sale, each transaction is like a little, um, whatever you want to call it, like a little sprint, like, how quickly can I accomplish the goal I set out to accomplish? And the person on the other end is smiling and happy. That means I accomplished it. You're right. You get money for it. So as a kid, especially you're motivated. Mm-hmm. But even today when I work with clients in real estate, I I joke about it, but it's true. I rarely ever look to see what the commission's going to be on a particular transaction until we're about ready to close because that that it's important i have to pay the bills but it's much more exciting to meet somebody for the first time turn them into a client help them achieve their goals and see the review and just the smile and the you know the look that they have when we finally accomplish that goal now that is um that's a, you 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 have these super wholesome responses sometimes as far as uh and and they're genuine but they're but they're also just very um you take joy in bringing <laughs> it says poor heart but that was way too aggressive i think you still left some in the bottle and you i got nervous <laughs> i got nervous it was going to overflow no it's so good i that. think that's what you're supposed to do it's perfect but you made this face that you were really like really yeah. going for it um how where do you think that came from do you think this is just something that people are born with because and the reason why I'm asking is I myself struggle sometimes with uh the the thought process of some people are born to just hustle uh and really kind of go full throttle in everything they do other people it seems have some sort of uh, outside forces, whether it's parents or guidance counselors or teachers or whatever, that really kind of push them towards that way. What is it in your case that you think gives you that the the chutzpah? To- mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it, having you know, just to tie in other experiences when I worked at Comcast, when I worked at AT and T, you know, other corporate environments. I had to manage large teams when I was at the bank at one point in that job, I had a hundred employees, 10 different bank branches. And what was most difficult for me was to grasp the whole concept that people could contribute and be valuable team members, but move at one tenth the speed I do. I immediately thought they're not performing well. They're, they're not valuable. So I had to learn how to appreciate what, what they were bringing because to your point, not everyone has that natural built-in inclination to just go, go, go and deliver and deliver. And then further, how do you inspire that? Like you said, guidance counselors and things, but as a manager or a leader in a company, how do you bring that out of people that you can get them there, but you have to build that. You have to bring it out. And that's what I think most leaders and companies fall victim to is they've worked so hard and they've gotten that title, but they don't know how to inspire their people. And so then you hear this all the time. That's why people leave companies because they're, they don't feel valued. Their boss is managing up. They're not managing them. So I think it's a really difficult thing to do. But to your question for me, I think it was honestly growing up poor. I mean, memories of going to get the block of cheese for free at wherever we would get that and, you know, free lunches and, um, you know, just, seeing my mom work two jobs and my dad working night shift, you know, in a, um, 
uh, aluminum factory, you know, just really, really working hard to the point that my first job out of college as a management trainee, I was making more than either of my parents ever made in their entire lives. So I think you just, when you don't have, you, and, and I also, I would say, I was lucky enough to go to school with a lot of other students and that became friends of mine that did have and did grow up wealthy so you got to see what the grass was like yeah what it could be and then you know quickly realize okay you know and and my parents you know always instilled that in me that you can do anything you want to be you want to be president you can be president so as long as you kept I kept reminding myself of that and then college I had a lot of great administrators like you said with guidance counselors and such that inspired me to to really apply myself and so from there I realized this is all within your control you know I felt like it would be a shame for me not to go 110 percent because I've been given these opportunities so do you live by the principle that having been given that sort of guidance and uh I'm sure that you've had Everybody has their hardships. Like you said, when you go get your block of cheese, that might be somebody can super relate to that as far as being poor. Or uh, some people might uh, have grown up with certain neglect or there's abuse or there's all kinds of things. Would you attribute that part of your, say, success or mental thought has been because of some of the people that you've met along the way that have sort of steered you and said, no, this is give you some focus? Um, or, or would you say this is all just coming from within you? Or is it more outside forces helping guide you a little bit with that inherent nature that you have? I mean, w- yeah, I think uh, probably less of people guiding me um more of reacting to the environment so i you know just your own what's within you yeah because in addition to being poor or whatever also seeing my parents get divorced experiencing you know a father cheating on uh my mother and then strange stuff my mother went through and battling alcoholism and some other things and being an only child and surviving all of those things uh alone and trying to work through that uh you you naturally I remember just always seeing them as dysfunctional. Right. I never had that thing that you hear about like, oh maybe it's because of me that they're doing I never right, right. felt that way, but I just felt like they got some issues and I knew where it came from. I started to understand, you know, my mother had a abusive uh father, an alcoholic father. They both, you know, their their parents, my grandparents were first generation here from Ireland and Italy and there's a lot of stuff that you go through and you know it's a hard life and so they grew up with a really rough environment and that just stays with you and so that trickled down and but again I was admiring and most inspired by my friends that I tended to um, gravitate toward who that wasn't the case they had the world handed to them their parents went to Ivy League schools and so I, I again started to realize well there's something there that's making their life better and more positive and they're happier how do I get myself into that environment and in college I just furthered that and in my mind just kept saying I need to stand out because every time that I stand out I'm rewarded in some way you know and it was through leadership roles and getting promoted in my job in college and then class president and 
I started to notice when those things happened that led to, oh, well, you're class president. Oh, well, you should definitely be going for this scholarship. And you should, it just kept leading to when you produce, when you do, and you stand out, you're rewarded. And so that's, yeah. So it's interesting because uh, rewinding a little bit, you touched on a little bit as far as uh, the upbringing was less than stellar. Um, You were an only child, which I think that probably plays somewhat of a role because when you have a sibling, uh, I think you inherently realize that maybe you're not alone to some degree. Uh, But when you're maybe put in a situation where you're faced with some of these challenges um, and you don't have that sibling to turn to and be like, oh, well, it's happening to them. It's happening to me. I, I think a lot of that probably speaks to why you've able been able to develop yourself into this self-sufficient, uh, now successful, you would consider yourself successful at this point, right? I mean, you still have goals that you're trying to achieve, um, but you've, you've been killing it recently. Um, and in the past, I mean, you've obviously grown from this dysfunction, um, put yourself through school, um, exceeded, let's say, what maybe your parents' expectations were, I, I would think. I mean, it was nice that they had support, you had support there, but with mom's alcoholism and dad busting his ass at the aluminum factory and stuff like that, um, you've kind of put yourself through these paces. Uh, proper guidance along the way to some degree from administer, uh, administrators, maybe peer leaders and things like that. Um, what, what, did, what did you get your degrees in? Marketing. Both bachelor's and master's are in marketing. So you graduated high school. <clears throat> you went to college. You lived on, on campus or did, were you still at home? No, I, that was important to me to get out of that. You just fucking left. Yep. You're like, I can't handle this pot's town anymore. And let me get the hell Help. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to explore the world from there. And that kind of let you let you blossom. So yeah, to speak. and I mean everybody goes through it. I imagine um, you know that as much as I couldn't wait to. That was the biggest thing. Was it mainly on, out of on like um, what's it called when you get the financial not financial aid necessarily, but uh, off your credentials you get school scholarship. <laughs> Thank you, scholarship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck. Um, did you did you were you able to achieve that through scholarships mainly to go through these schools or how did you do that? No, about half of it was through grants um, that w- were geared toward um, low income, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, Pell grants, the Pennsylvania thing. But the other half was, yeah, I just took out loans right. and then I paid them off after pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I started to say, well, I couldn't wait to get out of there uh, because I knew it was so dysfunctional and right. I, I had family that, and I still do that, you know, never left and they work at the local grocery store or they're a bartender or, and it's just, it's, it's, you know, do you ever still go, go meet with, with f- friends, family, relatives from, from your hometown and, and they, they, are they, are they welcoming to you visiting or oh, is yeah. it kind of like, do you get the stink eye? Cause like, Oh, here's the fancy city slicker <laughs> or something like that. No, no, that, yeah. They always want me to come visit because you know, I'll, I'll post or something that I'm visiting my dad who still lives up there. And so everybody wants to get time to get together. And, um, you know, we, we do from time to time. I just find it hard. It's not, like I said, it, their family and, uh, I, 
I have mutual respect for them, but within a few minutes, there's not much we can relate to. Right. Because it's just so different. You're in a different world. Complete different world. I mean, it's where you grew up and you have the memories and that's probably what you can relate to is mm -hmm. what you remember when you were there and you can say, oh, remember the time when, you know, Aunt, Aunt Becky, whatever, or something like that. And, but beyond that, you can't say, well, I just, whatever, whatever, they're going to say, I, I don't know, dude, I, we haven't left this town in 40 years. So Yeah. They say, oh, yeah, we just did that again last weekend. So, right. yeah. It saw it's... Aunt Becky last weekend, <laughs> just like 40 years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that um, it's the, uh, the opposite of that, because this is all sounding like I'm so successful. But uh, the opposite of that is when you're constantly motivated by trying to achieve things you there is no done you know there there's no all right now i can relax right you're not at the point where you're like well i made it Mm -hmm. now i'm gonna sit back and do nothing right no you're still trying to make it yeah so each thing i've done i've you know like it sounds you know self-serving but i mean like when i worked at the bank i was the youngest this then i got promoted to the youngest that and then i was the fastest promoted to this you love that though Right, but <laughs> but that doesn't last forever. So right. then it's like, what's the next challenge? What's the next I've already challenge? done that, and somebody else young is coming right behind me. You so. get a fucking thrill off that, though. As you get these accolades, it, it, but I think it's and just like now being in real estate, yeah. right? To to be doing this year probably ten million in my second year. Everybody second says year. Oh, that's unheard of. Well, no, right. I'm sure somebody else has done it, but I don't. I don't really. It's good. It's reassuring, and I'm at a place now that I'm 41. I think where I can balance it and say. That's that's great, um, but I'm also I also know that I can do more, and I'm right. going to keep. I'm not retiring, so I'm going to try to every year try to do more, but balance it with. I didn't have a number I had to hit this year, because I'm tr- you know naturally You're creating these, and as yeah, and as I'm getting older, I'm starting to rationalize and say, okay, stop. You know, you don't need to reach some crazy goal or try to prove something or so what's nice in the place i'm in now is that that natural energy is still there and so i'm still going seven days a week Mm -hmm. but at my own pace without a boss and not trying to achieve anything specific right and uh i just yeah i I lost my train of thought there for a minute it was very we can go to a commercial break we we could well i'm not going to go to commercial break well that's a little sip i'm going to check my notes here real quick that's why these seats are so bad fuck Fuck you. <laughs> My seats are wonderful. You told me to go on uh where did you tell me to go on Amazon or eBay or something? Go on go on Craigslist and get some new seats. No, I give you ten dollars. Can I sponsor this episode? <laughs> Maybe. You can sponsor it. Um so you're with a realtor company now, and that came from because you you had your moments of challenges. You've hit some rough patches. It hasn't been like poor little Davy grew up uh you know in in Pottsville, PA, and had a hard life, and now suddenly he's uber successful because he really rolled up his sleeves. You had some bumps along the road, and you, I think you had some uh, uh, learning curves, I guess, right? And you've um, put yourself in a position where um, maybe you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, financially and emotionally evaluate and say like okay i need to just chill a little bit here or and and kind of maybe pace yourself as to exactly where you want to go and what you want to be doing and uh 
you don't have any experience in real estate in particular until what two two and a half three years ago other than buying your own properties a year and a half yep a year and a half but you never had any formal experience mm-hmm. no two weeks of training with a group on and what what called you to to this in particular yep so i'd always heard that people did these really fun vision boards and yeah. you know where you lay out all these wonderful which i get confused with like there's like mood boards and right. ouija boards but this is you you say okay what what am i good at and right. specify those things like i'm good at helping people make these kind of decisions i'm good at working on my own and not being managed i'm good you know all those things and then, that's a very fundamental uh, almost when you're in sixth grade and you do some of these tests where they already in school try to place you as far as what your career path is going to be, they ask you those kind of things like, mm-hmm. what do you like to do? Uh, where, are you, where are you good at? And that kind of stuff. And and that's basically what it is, right? Yep. And I think that, you know, that's something that you should do regularly because it changes. You know, when I did that that's in college and I was graduating, different it, person. Yeah, every answer was, I need to rule the world. Right. I need as many people working for me and I need to blah, blah, blah. So, but this time it was, uh, what do I enjoy most? N- not being managed. I, I hold myself to such a high level of accountability. The last thing I need is a manager who maybe isn't great at their job. Is that, that, and that's something new that you discovered from just your previous experiences where yeah. you were like holy shit i i don't like being managed at all yeah i found because if you think about it i if i hold myself to such a high level um it only makes sense that probably 10 percent of the bosses i've ever had met my level of what i expect from them mm-hmm. so now you're you're not only putting your own pressure on yourself now you're also saying and i hate my boss and mm-hmm. i hate my coworkers, and my employees right. that work for me aren't good enough and right so I just wanted to get away from that. I wanted to get away from a commute. So, you know, long story short, you lay that all out on this vision board and say, okay, what across all these, and I had to make enough money to pay the bills, what across all these things would be a really cool next venture for me in this next phase because I just turned 40. And it came all the way down to um, either insurance, like open a, an insurance office. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real estate. Is that, is, would that be interesting to you? Uh, insurance itself wouldn't, but think about it. If you opened a state farm office, let's say. Fuck, that sounds so fucking boring. You have these employees that are in there selling. You're out there, Mr. State Farm. That sounds horrible. Like the product itself is fucking horrible. So I get real estate, but insurance just sounds so goddamn boring. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> I've talked to insurance salesmen before, and they are fucking boring. Right. So fuck, it's about fuck, fuck, with fuck. all of these things, Peter, right. it's about what would Dave's version of that be and how right. would he make it interesting and different? Sure. Right. So uh, the other two were to start a dog rescue. That's I was not expecting that. OK. Yep. And uh, something related to brewing. So either a brewery or a brew pub. Is that or, right? Yeah, because, you know, there are people in my life that are very fond of beer, and I am as well, and thinking about different group ventures and things. So, of those four, uh, I landed on... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you all right? I, yeah, I think it's it's funny. So, we went from either real, real estate, mm-hmm. insurance dog rescue, mm-hmm. something having to do with brewing. 
Yes. And you landed on real estate. Right. Because the ultimate decision ended up being based on what could I get in and out of very easily if it didn't work out. That's a good point. Well, okay. Without a lot of commitment. Right. Because, um, you know, it, it, the biggest problem for me or the biggest disappointment for me in real estate are, are the other real estate agents. Right. There's so many of them and the bar to entry is so low. You have to have a high Expect school diploma. Better. Exactly. And um, a $250 fee to take a two-week training and then you take yeah. a test and yeah. then you're in. And now you're making decisions on someone's most prized possession. Right. So, I, And I think that's a good point. Um, so... With that being said, your your thought process on anybody can be a realtor, I would agree. And I think part of the state putting this two-week course together or the 75 hours, whatever you need to uh, meet the requirements and pass this test probably weeds out a bunch of people. However, I, I did this stuff and... It's hard, I guess, but if you just read the material and you you kind of half pay attention, it's fucking passable. I'm I've been horrible in school, always have been, and um, I passed it without without much of an issue. Uh, so when I look and say, because I've bought houses in the past before, and I look at these realtors that have represented me in the past, and I've felt so f- almost foolish, and I, and I think. Um, when you had asked me like, Hey Pete, I think you would be good at this. Um, you know, why don't you take this class? And I said, yeah, even, even if nothing else comes of it, I want to educate myself because I've dealt with these people that I've always felt that not that I was better than or smart or anything, but just, I wanted to understand the process and some of the people that I dealt with. Um, I, I was genuinely surprised that they were able to kind of get through this and be able to do it. And if anything, you're right. It's such. Uh, it's probably the biggest purchase that anybody can make in their lifetime. And you would think that realtors, in particular, are like it, that. It's difficult to become one. It's mm-hmm. really not all that difficult to be a successful one. Yes, I would right. say that there's a certain level of difficulty to that. But to so, become one, though, yeah. And so it, it is, relatively speaking, like you said, that easy. And yet, surprisingly, it's ranked in the top three most trusted professions of America. Isn't that wild? So people actually think that I should really give my, and, and they do it. I mean, you see a <laughs> million dollar listings and yep. here's the keys. Let me know when it's sold. Um, and so that's, you know, I take that as a compliment and yeah. I, you know, respect that. And, and of course I deliver uh, on that. But there's so many agents that... um it, it they just it, it I think it gives such a negative connotation um to what the experience should be. Right. And I and I and I think to to that point it's also something that um people when you buy appliances for example or if you buy something ex- expensive at Best Buy you do that a bunch of times in your lifetime. You buy something that's worth maybe a couple thousand dollars and you'll learn as you go. However, most people, most people speaking, um, don't buy a bunch of houses in their lifetime. They have like one or two opportunities that they go through this process. And most of the people that I've spoken to, including myself, it ends up being a freaking nightmare of a process. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all. It can actually be 
relatively relaxing, but you're trusting this dum-dum that did their 75-hour class because they're a, a, a soccer mom that has nothing to do at home because their kids are old enough to take care of themselves or this retired person that's bored or just these people that don't really fit the appropriate, mm-hmm. I, I think, um, they just don't fit the appropriate profile to represent you in this biggest lifetime purchase and it ends up being freaking frustrating mm-hmm. um i have to stop censoring myself i want to say it's interesting f- how you switched fucking, yeah yeah right because you made me think you're good at that yeah and fuck you for doing that you, you have this way and oh that was the other thing that i wanted to mention so you have a way of speaking and i want to know if that's learned through one of the classes because there's a bunch of people that do that uh whether it's radio or famous people uh that they speak in a way that you don't ever raise your voice. I've never heard you raise your voice, even if you get excited about something. You stay not monotone. You know where to where to put the accents, and you just kind of stay very even-keeled. And I think that creates a certain element of, and I've noticed this in social situations with you in particular, because you and I are friends outside of this podcast. Uh, fuck off. Uh, outside of this podcast where it can be a loud environment and you have this technique where you're going to remain just talking the way you talk and everything that you say, you don't change your inflections, you don't change your volume and I think that makes people listen to you even if the background noise gets a little louder, people lean in and they're like, oh, what's Dave saying now? And you don't ever, oh, the band is playing in the loud, no, you guys go out of it. And you, you don't like force yourself upon people, you just sort of stay even. Is that something that you learned like through a, a college course or public speaking or anything like that? I mean... I'm actually about to release a three DVD set on the art of speaking like Dave. I hate you. Uh, No, it's something that, so two things I'll say. One, through, I did take public speaking courses in college in the management training program that I went through uh, out of college at the first place I worked that was an intense program. But uh, any time that I've been in any type of an environment like that, I'm always the uh, loser in the group because in general you don't want to be monotone and I get labeled monotone because I don't have those extreme inflection points. So I've always tried to work on it. Um, When I was at Comcast, I'd host a quarterly national um, kind of a a 30-minute, I don't know, video conference for employees across the nation and I'd be in the NBC studio and reading from a teleprompter and ah, this is Dave yeah, Margola. Right. So that gave me an opportunity to like amp it up a bit and especially right. when you're reading from a teleprompter because all you have to do is make those words sound fun. You don't have to think. Right. Um, which is why I think newscasters are paid way too much. That'll be another they're, podcast. When people goof on puppets they're yeah. literally puppets. Right. I mean, and I, just, I love the ones when it goes down and they don't know what to say to each aren't other. Aren't they the 
They're yeah. so goddamn funny. I love news bloopers or when people that are puppets fail completely because mm-hmm. their personality comes out and they have no idea what did to do. Did you see do. the one the other day where she, she said her, they did like a spot on the zoo and they came back. She told her, her uh, co-anchor who's black that you kind of look like a gorilla. Fu- oh my God, I did <laughs> see that. And it got so and uncomfortable. They're like, yeah, and they're like best friends. And so then like, She's you like, know, oh my God, I didn't. So of course she didn't get fired or anything because she didn't really mean it. But like, <laughs> hello, dumb. <laughs> fucking idiot but the other thing i was going to say about the tonality or whatever um i i've had a good number of uh, i'll say senior clients that were selling their home downsizing going to a condo they're widowed whatever and they're very as you can imagine emotionally worked up and right. uh i've had you know each time i would say i can think of a, a couple specifically that in when it was all over they've you know come to tears or whatever and give me a hug and said I'm so glad I had you because my husband was the one that always kept me calm. And the one thing you did through this whole thing was no matter how crazy it got, you said, that's not a big deal. That's right. fine. This happens every day, million times a day. Right. We're just selling a house. Yeah. Let it go. Hmm. And I think some of that is also the way I, the tone, obviously. But it was funny before I came over here, I was working with another agent. She was calling me back about accepting an offer we made for one of my clients. And she, before she started to talk, she said, can I just tell you, every time I talk to you, which has been three times in two days, she's like, I just feel so relaxed. I don't know what it is. However you talk, she's like, I'm always like so amped up and trying to get deals done for my clients and everything. When I talk to you, you just calm me down. Thank you. So it's kind of funny because long story short, again, I'm trying to be more animated because right. that's what I'm told I should do. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you where it comes from that I'm calm. That's interesting because uh, I, I didn't realize that you were actually trying to be more. And I've seen your, I have seen your clips when you do your open houses and you have your, you do your live feeds and I could tell that you're trying to be a little mm-hmm. more animated yeah. and uh, I don't like it. I, Stay yourself, dude, because uh, what I did notice, like I mentioned earlier, in those social situations, you end up almost inadvertently coming off as more important than you are. I mean, you're the most important in the world, clearly. But in those situations, you're not raising your voice. You're not. And it almost says like, damn, this guy's so fucking cool. He doesn't even care if I hear him or not. He's talking about (laughs) something and like makes people lean in. And they're like, what? He must have, he must be saying something really important because he's not even raising his voice. I'm just going to start lipping it. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. You do that also when I talk. Oh yeah. I do like to do that. I hate that. That is like, that's something I've done since a child. God is worse. So I'm I'm talking. Yeah. You're really good. I'll be talking and you're mouthing the words that I'm saying as I'm talking to you. It's, it's radio, Dave. That's why there's no, there's no cameras here. So I'm explaining. Explaining. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, but that's also a, a very good gift. I think you have a natural talent for gab, and you also have this art form down of making fun of people or busting their balls, and they don't even – they, like, thank you for it. I've seen it in action where you literally make fun of someone, and they're like, huh, yeah, well, you know, the, the kids are in the car, you know, and, and it either goes over their head or something, and you'll look at me, and we'll start laughing. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't even register, and I don't know how you do that. I'll be like, it's, seriously, a minivan? Yeah. Why, why are you even alive? Right, right. And they're like, well, you know, it's just got to keep the air running in there, yeah. and they don't even fucking get it, and we'll start laughing, and it's, I, I don't know if it's your tone of voice or what you do. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, though, and it's also a gift, and I think it puts people at ease. Um, Yeah, that's... That's good. What are your goals coming up? Oh, well, hold on. What I wanted to go back to was 
out of the four things that you had talked about were your possible paths in life, and, and real estate is the one currently, who knows what the future holds, but you had mentioned something about uh, dog rescue. Yes. And you have two doggos of your own, mm-hmm. right? Brian and Ted. Yep. And uh, Excellent adventure. Brian and Ted's excellent adventure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think those are the right names. But no, close. Not really. Okay. And you adopted them. I did. That's good. I don't know. Did you ever see that skit on SNL where it's those two ladies and they're doing like um, they're tasting sweaty balls? Um, oh. I, I have seen. I probably you have to have. I I don't know. I've seen cork soakers. That no. that, that one makes me. Laugh. It's called Delicious Dish, and they're on a radio show, and they're like, "Oh, welcome to Delicious Dish," <laughs> and then Alec Baldwin comes on, and they're like, "Oh, these are these are his famous sweaty balls," <laughs> and you know, it's just. But some of this is flashing back. But carry on. No, I don't want to carry on anymore. So the doggos, so like right now you have that <laughs> crazy hurricane. And can we talk about, is it Dorian or Dorian? It's uh, it's Dorian. Okay. Dorian? I don't know where that came from. I heard from. that. I didn't hear that at all. I don't want to talk about the hurricane. Fuck no, the hurricane. but I saw someone posted that like they've got, I think it was like 97 dogs in their house because they're bringing oh, all these on. dogs in. Oh, so they're like sort of sheltering them. Yeah. All right. That's kind of cool. Right. And there were pictures of them and there's a couple that look like Ted. Uh. And, you know, it makes me think like, well, you know, the right thing to do and what I'd love to do is go rescue those dogs. Yeah. But I think the problem would be I, when would I stop? I would. You would get so involved. You'd be that creepy dog. Well, dude I'd have 97. Dog. Yeah. yeah. And so and then I'd have no time to do real estate because I'd be right. cleaning up poop. Yeah. So um, that's kind of the negative maybe too and kind of what got in the way of a dog rescue being a good idea. It feels like it would definitely be a 24-7 and it wouldn't be about profit. So. Exactly. It's not really too financially lucrative. It's more of the goodness of your heart and you have a cold, dead heart. Right, except for dogs. Right. Dogs so, are your soft spot. Right. So I may, you know, that may be, you know, I've always been involved with nonprofits and sure. giving back because I think that's important. So uh, it being 100% focused right now on cancer, but it may be that in the next few years I start to put some time into um, stuff related to animals. Maybe that's on your radar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to give an example right now. Uh, Dave Marcola being in m- me. marketing. Marketing. And I'm going to test you right now because there's an event coming up for – the cancer support community of greater Philadelphia. And I want you to just ad lib the best pitch in the next, hold on. I'm going to time you on this, right? And it's going to be a, let me see. We'll go with a 20 second sales pitch on pints in the park as a promo, because of course I'm going to tag this on Instagram and all that good stuff. And I've already given my pitches and you're the lead on that. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I want you to just ad lib the best 20 second promo. Ready, set, go. Speaking of beer, we've got 12 different local breweries, two distilleries, live band, tons of fun, a cornhole tournament, all kinds of games, raffle prizes, just a lot of great stuff with Pints in the Park happening September 15th. It's a Sunday. Nothing going on. No Eagles game. 1 to 4 p.m. in beautiful Fairmont Park in Philadelphia at Ridgeland Mansion where we offer free social and emotional support oh, to those oh, oh. touched by cancer. org. There you go. Booyah. 
That was good. Get your tickets. Yeah, no, no more. Get your tickets. No, stop it. Well, what I like you mentioned that uh, it's no Philly game, uh, Eagles game, because yeah. we we actually scouted that out. No and made excuses. Sure that, that wasn't going to happen. Exactly. No excuses. And how did you get involved with those guys? That was just something that you kind of wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 So you know, I just uh, I was know. born and I was like. Yeah, yeah, I don't join. like cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get involved in this. Have some beer. Yeah, okay. So uh, my stepsister died at 27 of breast cancer. Oh, no, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, all of my grandparents died of cancer. Jesus. Multiple aunts, uncles, only cancer. Um, <sighs> so Why do we have to keep going on these dark roads? I mean, can't... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, you brought it up. So This is horrible. So one of the things that... It's a depressing podcast was impressed upon me, not depressed upon me. It is depressing. In college was a sense of community and giving back. And so, uh, you know, I, I did appreciate that. Uh, and so when I graduated and I got my first job at good old Commerce Bank, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was find a way to get involved. So I was going to chamber events and I happened to be at a chamber event and met the executive director of Gilda's Club at the time, which was uh, founded by Michael Radner for his wife, Gilda Radner, who was on Saturday Night Live and passed away of cancer. And so Gilda's Club was all about, good job, giving people a uh, who were touched by cancer, whether they have cancer, a wife, a husband, a child, oh my mm-hmm. God, what do I do? How do where do we right. go from here? You get the diagnosis from your doctor, but then how do you cope with that? What's the right things to do to help that person? What should you eat? What should everything? So we have uh, grown and merged with the wellness community. And so now the renaming is uh, the rebrand is the cancer support community. It's the largest in the country that offers free social emotional support in a home like setting. So our chapter is the greater Philadelphia area. We have two primary locations and then also in, um, seven other area hospitals with satellite locations. So it just felt like a good fit for me. And at the time I was 22, they were looking for young, um, you know, influence on the board. So I joined the board. I founded the uh, associate board of young professionals and chaired a bunch of events to raise probably over a hundred thousand for the cause. And so now I have the pleasure of chairing the pints in the park and uh, recruiting people like you, Peter, to help us. Oh my goodness. I did a little work for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe more next year. I hope. We'll see. But that's great. I think that's a, a I think it's a wonderful cause and I, I mentioned it before one of the other episodes that uh how cool it was because I had never heard of that before I met you. I knew that there was um obviously cancer awareness raising funds for research, research yeah. um things like that but never for the the people affected by cancer, not even necessarily someone afflicted with cancer, but for the friends, the families, the coworkers, all the other people around you mm-hmm. that suffer. And, and sometimes you don't even realize it that, holy shit, this is actually affecting me and you need somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a really close relative or just your BFF gets diagnosed and you're like, I can't, you know, I I can't really deal with this and I want someone to talk to. I want someone to relate to. I want someone to, you know, whatever. Um, uh, And that's awesome. Yeah. And that's really what it is. It's bringing, it's creating a community. So you come in and you, in your first visit, meet with a a licensed social worker and talk through why you're there. And it's super low key and just friendly. And you're just, yeah. And then from there, they, 
they help you find where do you fit. So, right. you know, we have the men's breakfast every Sunday. So men who have wives that are battling cancer or whatever mm. it might be, they get together, they have a good time, they joke around, they have breakfast together, but they can also bounce ideas off each other what they're going through. Right. They can so. they can relate to people that are in a very similar situation and be in direct contact with those people. And sometimes it's I think a lot of times the um the not not just the one-on-one, but the actual physical interaction with people because anybody can Google. Like, my wife has cancer. What do I do? And there's like all kinds of message boards and shit. But it's so different when you're physically talking to someone one-on-one mm-hmm. and, and you could see faces and interactions and emotions and things like that that I think, especially during... Um, issues like that that you may be dealing with is important Mm -hmm. you get that human interaction yeah and that's what you guys are available for and it's interesting you said you'd heard of which everyone has all of these different cancer research organizations and today i met a woman over coffee that i was talking to about the charity and getting involved and before i could even say it she said well please tell me it's not for research and i said no and i said why and she said because the billions of dollars that are poured into both research and the pharmaceutical industries, yeah. she said, I'm just over-believing that there's anything being done the right way, and I won't put my money to that. There's so, so much red tape, and who knows how much money is actually going to. You're right, and I think that – I don't want to go down the road of conspiracy theories, but I, I think I think there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, far- until it is – You know, unless you believe that no one's putting any money into it, but until it's resolved, we still have to deal every day with another person is diagnosed. Where do they go? Yeah, that'd be great if we can get it uh, cured. cured. But in the meantime, if, you know, our whole motto is so that no one faces cancer alone. If you don't get anything else, it's proven. If you don't have a heart attack, you don't have a stroke, whatever, and you're 104, whatever that date is you won't 110 i don't know what it'll be but you will die of cancer if nothing else so um the only chance to avoid cancer is dying from something else so i think it's very important that you have a solid plan in place and resources so that if that is what you end up with your family and yourself know here's how we're gonna get through that right damn dave i need your help with something right now this this is the weirdest podcast I've ever done. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it's the most different, the most differentest podcast that is I've ever done. Is this where we open up the phone lines? I kind of, again, fucking Patty's still holding on line four, but I'm going to ignore her for a little while. I jotted down some I thought it was notes. Wendy. I, it was Wendy. <laughs> it was Wendy. I, don't look at my notes. I jotted down a couple notes because I came home today. In, in like a total spaz mode because I was running late. Stop looking at my notebook. It's making me nervous. You don't get to see these notes. I'm tucking it away over here. And uh, fuck, I dropped it again. Um, this this was a very uni- unique podcast in that it took a very serious turn. And I do appreciate it. Um, but I want to go, uh, I want to go reflect on my life and things that are important to me while drinking my left-hand brewing beer. And, uh... Why are you taking your pants off? Yeah. Because it's hot in here. I have to go. Okay, bye. Is there anything you want to plug? 
before before we go because I'm gonna start wrapping it up. Mm. I, we went over your life story here, and yeah. I'm excited no. for. Ev- <laughs> I feel bad for people who listen to it. <laughs> I know, me too. At this point, uh, I don't even know if I'm gonna post this one. I wouldn't. I'm gonna say it's depression in the basement <laughs> with Dave Marcola. Eat it. Eat it. That, that's the end of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Eat it. Eat it. Eat the depression. We started out on such a good good note, but then we, we went into your life story, There's only which I one thought was going to be interesting. I know, and it's all my fault. But the nice thing is I have the power to post or not to post. Mm. <laughs> so what's up? I'll never get this you, time back. <laughs> you spent it with, with Peter, and it's been fun. Pumpkin eater. What else do you have going on? Uh, I would just give a shout out to, um, since all that we talked about is relying upon my being successful, dogs, that, cancer. I, I, do you consider yourself successful? Conti- sure. Yeah. You do. But okay. I need that to continue. So, uh, I would just give a plug that, uh, if you do know anyone or you yourself are contemplating any type of real estateal transactions, whether they be investing, um, holding property as a rental, as a, a smart idea, as an investment strategy, flipping, etc. Um, obviously reach out to me, but I would say, you know, there's a, probably a lot of confusion as to why are there so many different real estate companies and how do you choose? And so, you know, I would just say, do your homework. The reason I'm with Keller Williams is it's the largest real estate company in the world uh we're in 11 countries we have number one market share in the united states number one market share in pennsylvania number one market share in new jersey and it's not by accident you know the company was founded in the 80s uh the founder gary keller is still the president so um, i think that says a lot and uh on the cutting edge of technology of any other real estate company uh, we've got the latest in um, apps and tools that our agents are able to use and exchange information. And I would say the other thing is at the heart of it, it's there's a profit sharing model and other real estate companies that you could uh, mention or have heard of don't have that. And profit sharing, just to keep it simple, means that every agent benefits from another agent's success. So it naturally drives teamwork. It drives people working together, sharing listings, helping each other. And uh, I think that means that, you know, our clients get their property the best amount of attention of any other firm that's out there. Um, is it the long-term goal to be with Keller Williams or is that the, the here and now? For me? Yeah. Uh, I don't see any reason to go anywhere else. Okay. Because um, I know you've made a bunch of moves within the past year and a half that you've been doing this. One move, Peter. <sighs> Well, you always have your eyes on the next thing, don't you? Well, I sure, yes. So I started at a boutique firm, and uh, I think, you know, because my goals changed, I decided I wanted to create mm-hmm. a team, and I was becoming more successful than I anticipated. Uh, it made sense to go to a company that is focused on teams, and, you know, so this right. is one of those. Remax is another one. Um, uh, there's a bunch, but of that bunch my research points to Keller Williams. So, uh, you know, I'm building the Dave Marcola group, obviously, and um, that will be successful and, and be focused on expecting and delivering better in a customer experience that is bar none. Uh, and I will pick the brand that supports that. Uh, and if that changes for some reason, we will change. But for now and foreseeable future, 
Keller Williams uh, affords us that, has all the tools we need, and uh, the culture that really inspires, I think you've seen it, all of us to really put the customer first and make it a great experience. I have. It's been uh, it's been interesting to be a uh, part of the team because I've been in the corporate world to some degree. Granted, blue collar because I drop the f bomb every second. But uh, through the people that I've worked with, the company morale has been garbage. Uh, there's been no real acknowledgement to the employees by the owners that are just getting richer and they don't even know you exist and they don't even. Granted, I don't expect anybody to know my name per se, but where's the goddamn Friday pizza party or something mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. just says like, hey, man, hey, girl, you're doing a good job, you know? Mm-hmm. And even in the brief time that I've been with Keller Williams, you, you folks have been like uh, very team oriented and just saying like, hey, we're a team, we're family, this is fun, let's go do this, let's know each other, let's help each other. Um you know, it remains to be seen whether that's sort of the from the exterior, but then when you dig in a little bit, maybe it's not like that. But it seems to be pretty genuine, and that's kind of cool. I've had nothing but but good things to say about them. Yeah, our uh, each uh, franchise of Keller Williams is independently owned, so ours is uh, one of the largest in Pennsylvania, Newtown, Langhorn, and Ben Salem, and we've got uh, 500 or so agents. And the owner sent me a text two hours ago uh, saying, "Hey." what's going on Friday? You want to grab lunch? And I said, sure. The place he suggested, I said, what do you have stock in there? Because he always says the same place. And he laughed and, you know, where do you want to go? I said, all right, let's go to Newton's. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the the point is just that it is, you said you have yet to to dig in. I can tell you it is what you see um, and genuinely good people. And there is no hierarchies. Everybody wants everybody to be successful and remove the roadblocks. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's mm-hmm. a good business model. So props to them for, for doing that because I've certainly uh, experienced the opposite um, for most of my working career. So it's a little refreshing, even though this is just a little part-time situation for now, yeah. uh, that it that, that you do get that feeling. And um, I'll just give a little plug for uh, the next podcast because we want people to tune in for Dave 2.0. Uh, and that is that I will be uh, introducing you to the cost-saving benefits of stream energy. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. No, no. Dave, we're going to go for now. Uh, this is left-hand brewing that we're drinking, and it is the Milk Stout Nitro. On average, you'll save about 20% and, uh, We drank a couple of these, and Extremely they've reliable. been delicious. We have the orange cooler down here. Dave enjoyed it and because these you are sign his your friends favorite and family up. beers. And, uh, you too will get Next time, we will, uh, we will have Dave negative 2.0. Each and month, um, just with your dividends. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Stream. Anything else? But <laughs> and DaveMarcola.com. DaveMarcola.com. I can get behind that one. All right, everybody. Be good and uh, God bless. God and baby Jesus. The which one? The Easter or the Christmas one? Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Mm-hmm.